This is the first of a two-part interview with Barbara Schuster. The second part will be released later this month. The Medical College of Georgia and the University of Georgia partnered to create a four-year medical education program in Athens, Georgia, to help alleviate a statewide shortage of physicians. Barbara Schuster, MD, is campus dean of the MCG-UGA Medical Partnership. In this episode of the ASN Kidney News Podcast, ASN Executive Director Todd Ibrahim interviews Dr. Schuster about the challenges of developing a medical training program. The new medical school campus began classes on August 9, 2010. The first question I would have is the Medical College of Georgia, University of Georgia Medical Partnership. So is that the official name or do you have a nickname? That is the official name. Um, we are allowed to call it the Partnership Campus. Okay. And sometimes we call it the Athens Campus. But that's the official title. It is technically accredited as part of the Medical College of Georgia, okay. which is the only state medical school in the state of Georgia. And why did the state government make the decision to, to create the medical partnership? About five years ago, they did an outside consultant. Trip Umbach came in and to take a look at the state. This was for the Board of Regents. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that at that time they were approximately 37th in the nation for the number of physicians that they had uh, for the population in Georgia. Georgia is one of the fastest growing states in the nation, probably the eighth or ninth fastest growing state. It's a very large state, and yet it ranked very very low in the number of physicians. It also ranks incredibly uh, behind everybody else in the public health characteristics. So they have more obesity, more hypertension, um, more diabetes than many other states. For that reason, Trip Humbach said that the state-supported medical school needed to increase their class size from 170 to 300 students per year by 2020 to at least keep up with the growth that was uh, indicated for the state. So with that, a plan was put together to develop a four-year campus in Athens in collaboration with the University of Georgia, and then at least two clinical campuses, third and fourth year campuses in South Georgia, one in Southeast and one in Southwest. Um, Why was it appealing to you to be the founding dean of the medical partnership in Athens? How could it be better for an educator, somebody who has done her whole career in medical education, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to start a new campus, hire your own faculty, or some of my friends have said, hire your own mistakes, Mm -hmm. create a curriculum, even though we are based very much on the curriculum in Augusta, but have the flexibility to use some of those educational ideas and goals that I've always had and to be able to do that from the beginning. It's much more difficult to to change a large university. It's much easier to start it at the beginning. So what are some of the medical ideas that you had that you've been able to implement? I'm afraid I'm an old University of Rochester graduate. Mm -hmm. And so going back to the George Engel, John Romano, Larry Young days of the history, the physical exam, the clinical decision-making, even Back then, the Paul Greiner, quality, efficacy, and cost, which was very much part of my education and now Mm -hmm. today is being talked about, are all the skills that I remember ingrained in me as a medical student. I really felt that the clinical skills are the ones that will always endure. And so I wanted to, to develop a curriculum that not only brought in the modern science and the modern clinical science, but those clinical decision making skills as well as the hands-on skills that I think as a general internist I've used in my career. So what were the the first things that you did to prepare the school for the first class of students? So the first thing I had to do Mm -hmm. uh, was to begin to hire faculty. 
So we started with no faculty. I described to people the first day that I arrived at the University of Georgia campus and met with the provost, and he walked me over to the first office I had. The School of Art had just moved out of their building. Mm -hmm. The building still needed dusting. As he walked me into this office, there was nobody else in the building. Uh, there was an old desk. There was no light, no computer, no telephone, uh, no paper, no pencils. And he said to me, do you think this will work? And I said, I said to myself, this is my, you know, the, new, the provost. I'm mm -hmm. going to need to work with this man. I, I certainly can't say that it's not going to work. And mm -hmm. I said, of course it'll work. We'll mm -hmm. make this work. And so from there, they had actually hired one other person uh, who had been working with them in, in faculty development to be our first year coordinator. And she and I, along with one administrative person who had been working uh, on the UGA side to begin to prepare the rest of the campus for this, uh, were the trio that started. Mm -hmm. We hired, our first hire was of course an administrative person. So uh, so what year was this? This was fall, actually I, I was hired November 2008. Okay. I moved with my husband to Georgia in January 2009. Okay. And I was really in and out of that office November and December, mostly December of 2008. Okay. So right at the turn of the year. Okay. Fortunately for me, uh, friends like Dr. Ree Fincher, who was the Vice Dean for Academic Affairs at Augusta, had really already done a fair amount of the paperwork that mm -hmm. needed to be done for the LCME accreditation. Okay. So an advantage that you have in Athens that um, they don't have in Augusta is that you have the full undergraduate and graduate campus of the University of Georgia at your disposal. And I'm just curious as to how you've worked with them to develop the educational programs. Yeah, that has been one of the delights. So not only do I have wonderful colleagues in Augusta, uh, medical colleagues, nursing colleagues, there's also a nursing campus from MCG in Athens. And then there's the University of Georgia, which has 16 colleges, mm -hmm. including a pharmacy school, a veterinary school, a law school, a, a, a school of sociology, school of communications, an education school, et cetera, et cetera. So I sit with the deans of the other 16 schools. And immediately that first December when I was already on board, December 08, I went to my first UGA graduation representing the new upcoming medical campus. Mm -hmm. Are there specific schools that you've been able to incorporate into the, the educational programs? Well, it turns out that we have. Mm -hmm. Every school has actually come by and said, you know, we love to talk to those medical students. And I'll tell you a little story that was fun. I was at a meeting once, and the vice dean from the School of Ecology came and introduced himself to me. And, and he said, I'd love to talk to the medical students uh, because of my research. And I said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, I investigate the, the death of coral reefs and I'm thinking to myself what does the death of coral reefs have to do with medical students and he said the cause of the death of this coral reef was a bacterium called serratia marcescens and all I could do was think back and go oh I think it's red on a petri dish and I think it has something to do with lung disease and so I said well that's very interesting and he said but the most interesting part was that the kind of serratia marcescens the type the genetic type was the human type, which meant that human disease was now infiltrating the other ecologic process. So it was reverse for what we usually mm -hmm. think. So here I even have the School of Ecology, something I had no idea would relate to me. 
we've gone over to the School of Food and Consumer Science. That's where the nutrition faculty is. The School of Education is doing a consult for us. They are actually doing faculty development. They are teacher. They are, they are our teacher coaches. They come in and they watch the faculty teach, and then one by one give them their own personal feedback that I as the dean do not use as part of their evaluation so they can trust it. It's very confidential. Is, is most of your faculty community-based faculty? At this point, the first-year faculty is full-time faculty. Okay. So I've actually hired basic science faculty. I've hired about 10 PhDs. They are working the majority of their time as teachers developing this curriculum and teaching. I have a couple of younger ones who are actually contracted on the UGA side, and they are doing 65% research and 35% teaching, like my geneticist. So one of the advantages to UGA is that we have brought back to UGA a human geneticist, which was a hole in their genetics department. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I've also hired part-time one of the PhD psychologists from the Department of Psychology at the University of Georgia, who's part of our neuroscience team. So that's this wonderful advantage of sitting on this large campus, is the sharing that we've only begun to do. We've also, I think I mentioned to you before, uh, that the School of Journalism and Communication has a master's degree in medical journalism. And their second year students, their second year class, is now journaling our first year class. Which means they are coming in and interviewing the students and actually making three minute videos. And they will journal them throughout the year, somewhat like the class at Harvard was done on, mm -hmm. on PB, was it the PBS series right. a number of years ago. So you mentioned the first year class, and that was part of why I was asking about how long this process has been. So it's been about two years, a year and a half, to, to get up and running. So how would you describe your, your first class? Well, I describe my first, the first year class as fabulous. Mm -hmm. So there are, there are 40 students. As I say to people, they all vote in the state of Georgia, which means they're all Georgia residents. They didn't all grow up in the state of Georgia. But they all vote in the state of Georgia and are now residents. There are 20 men and 20 women. 20 of them went to UGA as undergrads. 20 of them did not. And, and how many women were there in your medical school class? In my medical school class, mm -hmm. I think we had 20, but that was out of 90. Okay. In the class before mine, there were 12. In the class before that, there were six. Okay. So now it's 50-50. Right, so you have, you have 40 students, 20 men and 20 women, and they're all sort of Georgia residents. All Georgia residents. Okay. Uh, I have several minority students. I have one student who grew up in Brazil and became a U.S. citizen, took her oath, actually at about week four. I have one student who delivered her second child in week three of the medical school and took a week off and came back, hasn't missed a beat. So we have a really interesting class. I have a gentleman who taught school for four years before returning to, to medical school. I have somebody who's done a fair amount of of hiking and uh, mountain climbing. I have another one who was the coach of a ultimate frisbee team. Mm -hmm. So I would say I have a good reflection of a lot of what modern medical school classes appear to be today. Okay. And, and how, how does your class perhaps differ from either the class at, in Augusta or other medical school classes with which you've worked? You know, it's different to know how they differ. Um, I know that the students who have started in Athens had a preference. So when they were interviewed and accepted in Augusta at MCG, every student who was interviewed was asked a preference for the Augusta campus, the Athens campus, or no preference. Mm -hmm. That information was tucked away and not used by the admissions committee. After the admissions committee 
uh, accepted the student, then a subcommittee sat down and took the accepted students, looked at their preferences, and began to sort to try and balance mm -hmm. the students so that our balance of academics, our, our gender balance, as best as we could in a, in a racial ethnic balance for a small, for 40 students uh, versus the 190 who are in Augusta. But you know, the 38 out of the 40 students stated a preference for Athens. And so they are a pioneer class. Mm -hmm. They knew that we would be a bit green. Many of their advisors were going to say to them, you shouldn't go to a brand new campus. You know, take the campus that you know works well. Mm -hmm. And give it a few years and, and see how it works out. So I do have a group of students who are outspoken, quite professional, giving us excellent feedback. As you, as you think about the class, so you're, you have 40 students now, how large do you think the first year class will be sort of at its optimal size? I can't tell you what optimal size would be, but we are actually scheduled to be no larger than 60 students. So the, the ultimate plan is to go from our temporary quarters to more permanent quarters in Athens. And at some point, probably three to four years from now, possibly when this first year class is ready to graduate, then to begin to increase the size of the class. And that would be to 60 students. Okay. 60 so, would be our total. So what do you think will be the, the biggest sort of logistical challenges of moving from 40 to 60 students in, in relatively short order? We will need more faculty, more resources. Mm -hmm. Are there, in terms of public health, are there specific issues in Georgia that you think your students will try to focus on in terms of their career choice or that, that the school would like to see? Is, is, I'm just thinking about sort of their specialty choice. The state, of course, would like to have more primary care physicians okay. and more generalists. Um, certainly focusing on the future and where the dearth of physicians will be and the kind will be there. State of Georgia, because we have fewer physicians, and we now have dropped, actually, so we went down from the 37th or 38th position, mm -hmm. we're now about 40 or 41st. We'll definitely need physicians of all sorts. Uh, in northeast Georgia, which is where we are, we will need all the generalists, family physicians, internists, pediatricians, and general surgeons. The average age of the physician in Athens, for instance, is 55. They, they predict that within 10 years, that without an infusion, there will be no general surgeons. Now, you go back to the public health question that you asked. The state of Georgia has, we rank fifth, I believe, in childhood obesity from the top. Mm -hmm. This is not fifth from the bottom like we mm -hmm. do in, in ranking on how many physicians we have. We're fifth from the, the top. So we have a huge problem with childhood obesity. Georgia is in the stroke belt. That's a very big risk factor from cardiovascular, hypertension, and other risks. And down the road, that of course leads to renal disease and kidney problems. So between obesity leading to type two diabetes and hypertension, which is significant in Georgia, just because of its ethnic and racial groupings, we foresee a fair amount of increased chronic illness within the state of Georgia. So we will need all all many, many of the specialties and all of the generalists throughout the state. The smaller communities have not had many physicians. There are areas of the state who lack medical care. So is it fair to say that despite all the challenges there are in the U.S. healthcare system in general and academic medicine in particular, you're reasonably optimistic about sort of the future of, I guess, academic medicine in the United States? Yes, I still am. 
And, and recently I was at a meeting and, and somebody said, you know, students will no longer want to go into medicine when they see what medicine is like. And I stood up and I said, well, that's not true now because I have many of the best students still going in and we, and we need the others because there's always a challenge. So this is 2010, yes. it's the 100th anniversary of Abraham Flexner's report. Um, that's caused a lot of people to reevaluate the report. And I'm wondering yes. if you remember, because I know you've read the Flexner report, what he said about the state of Georgia. Well, he, he, was, he was critical of the state of Georgia, just like he was critical of just about every state. state. Correct. And there were a number of schools that he thought should be closed. And he thought that a, that, uh, a school in, uh, in Atlanta would be okay. He did talk about Athens, which did not have much of a school at that time, but that MCG, which is quite old, actually 1828, mm. I believe, uh, was just a little too far to be working with Athens. Uh, in fact, he said it was several hours away and, mm -hmm. and still is. That, that has not changed over these years and that we should look, uh, that Athens should look actually to Atlanta. So how, how, do you, uh, how do you respond to uh, Dr. Flexner's uh, accusations about your state? Well, I think our state still has its problems. We're under-physicianed, if that's a word, that's mm -hmm. probably not a word. And at the time, he said there were, there were too many physicians, physicians in the South in general and in, in Georgia in particular. Because of the poor schools right. and the apprentice-like schools. Mm -hmm. um, well, they're not anymore. And that probably also is because the number of people living in Georgia at the time was not that much. Right. Okay, and with the expansion of Atlanta, um, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. It's a state of almost 10 million people at this point, and certainly that was not the same in Flexner's Day in 1910. Uh, <laughs> I think that Georgia has a lot of challenges. One of our challenges is to improve our K through 12 schools so that we have folks, students from throughout the state who will go on to higher ed and go on to become physicians and then stay in the state of Georgia and return to communities. Mm -hmm. I think that's a problem. And I know this, the, the university system in Georgia is working on that, as is the, the medical school. And I've already talked to the University of Georgia about beginning to think about pipeline programs for that. So that's very important. You know, so you can imagine a scenario where you have K through 12 programs that would be related somehow to the to the medical school. Yes, I mean there's already some programs they don't start as early as, as kindergarten, but certainly there are already, you know, um, high school programs. There are uh, college programs preparatory, both that MCG has worked with. There are STEM programs under the national STEM grants, um, looking at science and technology and engineering and math and and um, medicine. Uh, so I think those are very important. Uh, UGA, you may or may not know that UGA was not integrated until 1961, not a very long time ago. Well, they work very hard on trying to increase um, the percentage of underrepresented um, within that university. That's a wonderful way to begin a pipeline. And we lose some of our best to other states uh, when it comes to higher ed, sometimes because of just money and scholarship. So raising scholarships to keep our best. I started working on a sophomore who I met uh, by teaching a class uh, mm -hmm. for one of the undergraduate professors. And she just recently came and she said, you remember me, you know, in the class? And I said, I sure do. And, you know, you had gotten quite a prestigious fellowship to NYU for the summer. And she said, yes, she had. She was a microbiology major. 
and, and she said, I'm interested in learning about the, the new campus in Athens. And I, we talked and we began to tour. And I said, do you know anybody here? And she said, I don't think so. And I showed her the list and she said, oh, my goodness, I know this person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I say, okay, maybe I can keep her. I mean, that's what you have to do is aggressively go out and, and begin to coach and to support, not lower your standards. They will come up. Mm-hmm. They have the abilities. They just sometimes have not been given the opportunities, the mentoring, um, being open. And so I think Georgia, like many states, needs to begin to do that. It is an economic issue. So what's, what's your biggest surprise? I, I don't think it's a surprise. I love living in a college town. Mm-hmm. I think it's As I recall, you grew up in a college town. I did. I did. I grew up in South Bend, Indiana, which is the home of Notre Dame. But it was a bigger city. <laughs> this is really smaller, and it's so much more the campus. But I think it's a wonderful place for a a new campus, medical campus, because they do so much medical research, and it has never had a medical campus. Mm -hmm. And so you could really ignite this medical research and take it a whole step further. It's very exciting to be around young people instead of an aging community. And it's very wonderful to be around other professors, all of whom know something that you have no idea about because they're in fields that you've never been able to investigate. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, being able to start a unique curriculum in a university city has just can't get any better for a medical educator. Dr. Schuster, thank you for joining us for today's discussion. My pleasure. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. The information in this podcast should not be used during a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified health care provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.